Let's begin with prayer, and then I want to just go quickly into that message of, of relational wisdom and how that is beneficial to us. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be here. Uh, what a gracious group, and it is exciting to think about what you have equipped us with in your scriptures, that we can not only be uh, able to enjoy your many blessings as our Father, we can learn how to walk as your dear children. And I ask, Lord, as we uh, progress through our thoughts today, that we will value the relationships that you bring into our life, but most of all, we will value uh, the biblical principles that allow us to be able to be more successful in those relationships. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So our, uh, uh, let's see, yes, what is relational wisdom? You, we are given a command that tells us that, uh, that we are to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, or as I usually say, just all of what we've got, that our calling is to love him. With, with all that we can imagine. And the second part of that commandment, or the second commandment, is to love our neighbors for oursel- as ourselves. I think what's interesting is sometimes we get a little confused as to how do I love someone like I love myself? Because quite frankly, I don't know if you've got those days, but there's some days I don't even like myself. You've been there? Uh, but so how do I love people in the way in which Jesus is, is talking? And what he says here, as he gives this new commandment, And in this new commandment, he has just spent time with his disciples, helping them sort out who's the greatest, by living as a servant before them for that that time of taking the wash basin and the cloth, and he is washing their feet. And Jesus tells them this, you do like this for each other, but he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Is Jesus not raising the bar there a little bit and also giving us a little more clarity as what it means to love people? When we start looking at the way in which Jesus loved us and how that he was willing to love us when we weren't the most lovable person. And he challenges us in Luke 6. He says, if you love those people who love you, what is that to you? Even unbelievers can do that. They can But we as believers are called to a greater challenge of being able to love one another like Jesus has loved us. A quick little definition is is found in your bulletin notes to just remind us that relational wisdom is just simply taking the scriptures and being able to utilize them to take the things we're interpreting in life and play them out in a biblical fashion. Wisdom is is living out the scriptures in our life. It's different than intelligence, and it's actually different than Bible knowledge uh, because knowledge in and of itself will just simply puff up. But it's going to be love that ends up edifying those individuals that we have. Another way to say it is people don't, know, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care and we demonstrate how we care, not just simply what we say. Uh, one of the elements that is really uh, challenging is the different phases of life that we have. I am a survivor of junior high, middle school. Anyone else survivors of junior high, middle school? It was the most traumatic time in my life. Matter of fact, that was a time when I came to know Christ, uh, primarily because of some of the loneliness and difficulties, et cetera, that are there. Uh, Our next little clip here is about middle schoolers, and it's about how they tackled a situation that they saw and how they worked through it. We end tonight football play of the month. It was executed with amazing precision by the Eagles, the Olivet Eagles. 
Steve Hartman has the play and the post-game analysis on the road. Between classes, they schemed and conspired. For weeks, the football players here at Olivet Middle School in Olivet, Michigan, secretly planned their remarkable play. Did anybody go, this is a crazy idea? No, everyone was in on it. But like the coaches didn't know anything about it. So we were like going behind their back. I've just never heard of a team coming up with a plan to not score. It's just like to make someone's day, make someone's week, just make them happy. The play, which was two plays actually, happened at a home game earlier this month. The first part of their plan was to try to get as close to the goal line as possible without scoring, even if it meant taking a dive on the one yard line, which it did. The crowd was not happy. Quarterback Parker Smith. But us kids knew, hey, we got this. This is our time. This is Keith's time. Keith Orr is the little kid in the brown jacket. He's learning disabled, struggles with boundaries, but in the sweetest possible way. Because of his special nature, it's no surprise that Keith embraces his fellow football players. Hug, Gabe. What is surprising is how they have embraced him. Hello. We thought it'd be cool to do something for him. Because we really wanted to prove that he was part of our team and he meant a lot to us. Nothing can really explain getting a touchdown when you've never had one before. Which brings us to part two of their play. If you didn't see Keith, it's because they were so protective of him. But he was in the middle of that rush. <laughs> and when you crossed the goal line, what was that like? Awesome. It was like, did he just score a touchdown? Get your what? camera out. I'm like, oh, I can't. Keith's parents, Carrie and Jim, almost missed the moment, but they got the significance. Somebody's always going to have his back from now until the day he graduates. She's right. When the football team decides you're cool, pretty much everyone follows suit. Today, Keith is a new kid, although by no means was he the only one who was profoundly changed. What was it like for you? It was like... Like once I saw him going, I was smiling like about like here. <laughs> Wide receiver Justice Miller. Like nothing could wipe that smile off my face. Why did it affect you so much? Because like he's never been like cool or popular and he went from being like pretty much a nobody to making everyone's day. Justice admits the play wasn't his idea. I would have not really thought about that. He says it never crossed his mind to give Keith any glory. Well, I kind of went from being somebody that mostly cared about myself and my friends to caring about everyone and trying to make everyone's day and everyone's life. Which may just make that touchdown the most successful football play of all time. Steve Hartman on the road in Olivet, Michigan. Now, typically, I get opportunity to get the feedback from the group that I'm working with in the workshop, and it's really exciting to hear what different things people pick up in an uh, episode like this, because it resonates somewhat with our emotions, with our thinking, with our experiences. Uh, but there are some things that, that, as I've studied this and thought through it, and thought through it from a biblical perspective, that comes to mind. First of all, even though there was no intention to describe it this way, what they were living out is what Paul challenged us in Philippians chapter 2. 
3 and 4. To not be caught up on our own interests, but also be concerned about the interests of others. I don't know if you, you heard that in Justin, the wide receiver's words, when he said, I just never really thought about the interests of somebody else. But when he experienced that active, uh, active participation in being concerned about the interests of someone else, it impacted him personally. Uh, There was a great fulfillment in in being able to do that. A second thing that kind of comes out there is just the joy in being able to serve others. That when I remember junior high, it was all about everyone just protect yourself, okay? We're just going to get through this some way or another. And the thought of thinking about someone else, especially someone who is so vulnerable as what Keith would have been. And, and the, the thought of caring about them was not only uh, something that they took on as we might consider responsibility, you could see the joy in their, in their, in, you know, in their responses about this whole thing, that, that it was really satisfying. And then the third concept that came out for me is that, uh, that, that Justin said, I never thought about sharing the glory. Now, you know, in our, in our points, we're, we're not really interested in, in taking on glory, uh, but why, quite frankly, there is a battle, isn't there? There's, there's a battle sometimes, not so much of us sharing glory with someone else, although that is a point we can talk about, is sharing the glory with God and, and, and doing something for a higher calling than what our kingdom would, would want. And that's where the fourth thing comes together. I was real impressed with how they decided to work together as a team on this project. And I, and I was thinking about that. If junior hires or middle schoolers could get together and put together something like this, set aside their own agendas for one common good in this situation, how much more could we as believers in a local church do that? That, that we could determine the value of not necessarily making sure someone scores a touchdown or something like that, but making sure that God is glorified and that people are reached for Jesus Christ and to recognize it may not have been my idea, as Justin said. Uh, it wasn't something I had thought of, but he was willing to jump on and move forward on it. I, I find that little clip to, to give me so many things to think about that are biblical principles to help me in my relationship with other people. But let's look at some of the values of a relationship. It says in Proverbs, it says, get wisdom, prize her highly, and she will exalt you. As you read through the Proverbs and you see those practical implications into your life, they will, they will lead to some fruit from that. Uh, we don't do the things in Proverbs so that we can get the things. We shouldn't live a pragmatical life. But there is value in being obedient to the Word of God and living out the principles that God has given to us. Here's just three different areas that, that, that we can think of. There are some of us that are kind of relationship we, we would call ourselves the relators. Uh, we are more sensitive to certain things and relationships that go on. But sometimes that gets us in trouble because we have levels of expectation and such in relationships and we find ourselves being frustrated when we get hijacked and, and things can happen that keeps the relationship really going in the direction we wanted to go in the first place. But relational wisdom will help us to be able to put forth the principles that allow us to uh, have stronger relationships. Then there are those who are the doers. Okay? They see people as important because they help us get things done. 
Uh, relational wisdom helps those individuals that are really driven to get things done to know that people are important in the process, but how to not only just see them as, as people to help them get things done, how do we genuinely relate to them so that I am loving them as Christ has loved And finally, uh, the great opportunity to be a compelling witness. When Jesus said, he said, by this they will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. That the amount of love that we show as Christians will have an impact in the lives of those people who look on. My personal testimony is the reason that I decided to go to church is I witnessed a family that went to church and showed genuine love to themselves, to others, and to me. And even though I had been exposed to religious people before, this was the time when I decided. And I had declined going to church with them because I didn't trust them. This was the time I decided these people have something that, that makes sense to me. And in seeing that love for God, love for others, convinced me I could make myself vulnerable before them. And I'm so glad I did because that is what led to my relationship with Jesus Christ. As we, as we look at the, uh, the, the, how relational wisdom plays out, Jesus is just simply saying we have a relationship with God and we have a relationship with our other people, and he takes into consideration when we, when we love others, we are loving them as we love ourselves. And so there is a, a relationship in all these three areas, and that one of the uh, elements of that is being aware of what is going on. This is what we have the scriptures for. The scriptures are designed to help us uh, figure out what is going on in our lives and the lives of others and what God requires of us and desires of us. And uh, this awareness is really figuring out what does the scripture say. But as James says, he says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. That we need to take it, what we are learning and put it into action. And that's where the engaging aspect comes in, that we learn to figure out how do we put into practice the things that we are learning. And so as you look at this concept of being aware and engaging, and I'll just go through this quickly because it gives us some of the ideas of how this works out. There's other nuances to it, but quite frankly, when you think about our relationship with God, one of the things he continually calls us to is to remember uh, you look at the scriptures, you look at the Old Testament, you have things that you are to remember. I was blessed to be a part of a Sunday school class this morning that took us down memory lane of the Old Testament and how God worked with his people uh, in various ways and what types of things God reminded us of. And these things are not just for history, they are to help us remember what kind of God we have and uh, how to, to engage with him. And as we remember him, we will be faithful to him. Uh, we will be able to uh, align ourselves up underneath him, and that is what happens when we look at ourselves in relationship to a holy God, and we remember who he is, we will see ourselves as being humble. It's when we get outside of that and we start seeing ourselves as something, then we fail to be humble, and we don't become disciplined in our life. And the word disciplined is, is aligning yourself up underneath God's will and wanting to follow his way. And as that plays out in other people, God has called us to see people not as objects that we need to fear or to use, but as people we need to love. 
And uh, because of that, we should have a compassion for them, which will lead to us being able to, in a sense, serve them. Uh, something uh, that I, I think is helpful for us to see this in action. One of the hardest areas for people to get over is this concept of forgiveness. There's a lot written on forgiveness. There are people who have different strong opinions in regard to forgiveness. And Paul wanted to make sure that the people of Ephesus understood the idea of forgiveness. It's in that context, and if any of you here have been trained in the biblical counseling, uh, you will probably have this portion of your Bible open naturally uh, because we spend a lot of time in Ephesians chapter 4 where it talks about how we put off some behaviors, put on other behaviors, and we allow or permit our hearts to be renewed renewed by the uh, by the word of God and so what we have here is just right at the end of that chapter four where Paul is addressing the concept really of forgiveness that there are some things in our life that we need to put off and there's some things we need to put on and there's a, a concept we need to renew in our hearts but this fits very well also with the understanding of how our relationship with God a relationship with ourselves, and others now let's walk through this real quickly with us uh, in this familiar passage it says and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption right away Paul is reminding us what we have in Christ. I, I strongly warn people who want to go to Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 and look for instructions on how to be a good husband or a good wife or a good child or a good employer without understanding how God fits into that whole aspect because what happens then is we become just a behavior modification we've had to think about well how do I do this and how do I do that how can I do that well quite frankly some of these things we cannot do if we are not recognizing what we have in Christ can't do these things in our own flesh and if we try it tends to not work out very well Paul is reminding us here that this concept of forgiveness is impacting and impacted by that relationship with God, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And then he goes to talk about we have a responsibility to deal with what's going on inside here. He says that we should let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you uh, among, along with all malice. So Paul is addressing, how do I relate with myself? How, do, how can I go forward if I have resentment and bitterness and anger uh, in my relationship with God or in relationship with others? And God is saying, this is an area that we need to be aware of and need to engage with. And then thirdly, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And that brings us into the realm of how we understand other people and how we engage with other people as, as we put off how we were thinking about them before, renew our mind, and be able to move forward. And God uh, wraps this up again and says it's not about forgiving other people because they deserve forgiveness. It's not about forgiving people because we feel like forgiving them. We are to forgive other people because Christ has forgiven us. And so again, it draws us right back to that realization and remembrance of who it is that provides for us that direction in our life. One of the things we deal with, though, is that we tend to not always stay inside the circle, and we tend to move outside the circle. 
Uh, some of you might remember, uh, when I was a kid, and they're still around, but they've kind of uh, made them a little more safe. Remember the, the playground merry-go-rounds? Anyone remember those kind of things? Uh, where you would get on there, they're usually hard-packed ground, and, and uh, what we would do is put the smaller kids on it, and the bigger kids would race around as fast as they could and see how far the, we could launch the, young, uh, the smaller ones. I mean, that, that's a centrifugal force. That's how I learned about uh, that aspect of uh, uh, inertia and such, and, and that my first physics lesson was realizing if I don't hang on, uh, something's going to happen that I'm not going to like very much. Uh, so that, but that, that's kind of the way the world and, and, and Satan tend to keep us spinning. Uh, and, and when we're spinning outside of that uh, circle, and if you want to think of Christ and his gospel and his grace and his mercy as being the circle, and we start pulling our way out, we start forgetting God. We start becoming fickle. Uh, we stop uh, you know, aligning ourselves up underneath God and we become prideful and then we become self-indulgent. And we get to the point where we don't see people as people we want to love. We start being frustrated with people. We, we, we have different attitudes towards them. And as a result, we can think that the only way that I can manage this relationship is manipulate situations and people so I can move forward. And it's totally the opposite of what God wants us to do. And so there's, there's some answers to that, uh, that that help us pull back into to that circle. And I want to look at one particular area uh, that, that is helpful with this, but I, I want us to, to consider uh, how that, uh, uh, this, this little story goes here. Uh, turn to someone near you, don't get too carried away with this, and tell them what you think the next slide would be. If you're looking at this story, what happens next? I'll give you just 20 seconds. What do you think happens next? And time's up. All right. What was so? Who has an idea of what happens next? Anybody in here? Yes. What happens next, Kevin? The dog wants the, the bone that's in the water. Okay. Okay, so, all right, so he's going to try to do that, so the next picture will look like what? <laughs> a dog with no bone, all right, so, and I don't know if you, any dog lovers here, okay, some dog lovers, okay, I don't know if you've ever tried to take a bone away from a dog, uh, you know, you give it to them, and then you're thinking, okay, whenever they're done with it, and it's all slobbery or whatever's left, then you get it, but the, the thought of trying to take it away from them, they're going to pretty much try to keep it. So something, uh, if, that's the, if that's the next step, something bigger than the dog desiring to hang on to his own bone comes into the mind of the dog. And I don't know how much dogs think. I mean, someone has said that basically what a, what a, what a dog hears is, hears is blah, 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 sparky, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm not too sure. I think they're pretty sharp and see, see them do it. But, but quite frankly, uh, uh, we'll call Sparky here, does see another dog, and the other dog has a bone. They think, if I bark at that dog, they'll drop their bone. And they did. Uh, and, and Sparky loses his bone. And so this is, uh, what, what this is reminding me of is there's sometimes there's things that we want. But the desires in our heart uh, work in a way that goes contrary to us being able to get that. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the, the, the spirals that you've seen, I'm sure, is called the progression of the idol. Has how that God has created us to desire certain things, but those desires can get out of control where we get to the point where we want to demand 
something, where we're at the point where we uh, not only feel that it would be nice to have something, but we are at that point where we say, I need it. You never had a kid that tells you that, have you? I need it, but I need it. And uh, when we get to that point, uh, that's when things start transferring from becoming a desire, a God-given desire, to becoming an idol or a demand. Give you just a little bit of an example. Years ago, uh, we went from Iowa to Indiana. In southern Indiana, I had the privilege of serving as their minister of youth. God blessed and giving us six couples to work with us. One of the challenges I had was even though I was in my early 20s, I looked like I was in my early teens. Okay, if you can fathom that. And so as I worked with these teenagers, I thought that something that was very important would be for them to respect me because I'm an adult and they should respect me. All right, so I had that in my mind. And if, if they respect me, then they'll be able to better follow me. Well, God in his sovereignty and sense of humor put a couple teenage boys into my youth group that for some reason, whether they were on, on, on this for God's purpose or not, uh, they felt that the best thing to do was to disrespect me on a regular basis in a variety of creative ways. And uh, I, I found myself being very frustrated with that. Not only did I find myself being frustrated, I found myself not responding very lovingly towards them. And, have, and not always exposing that outwardly, but inwardly, I was having some challenges with these, with these kids. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, why are they this way? And then I started doing some really bad things in my mind. I started uh, uh, judging the situation because uh, what I was thinking, they were, they were deacon's kids. And I'm not trying to make any kind of point here. But, but, but as staff, I was thinking if anyone should kind of make my job easier, you know, it should be like the deacons. That's what they're there to do, right? To help? Yeah, kind of. But, but this is not helping. And all this was things that I struggled with in my heart. And I went from a desire to a demand. I found myself judging. And I found myself actually choosing to withhold love from these teenagers and not trusting them and creating all these... Uh, you know, these things in my heart. And I'll, I'll explain to you that I, I really did not understand biblical counseling or some of the principles at that time, but I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I knew my heart was wrong. And I had to come to the point where I repented and said, I have, and I didn't understand the, the terminology that, that respect of, uh, had become an idol in my life, but as, as I, what I realized was I was allowing them to push buttons in my life, and I had to ask the question, what are those buttons connected to? Why do they get such the response that they, they get? And that's when I, and it's been after years of study and self-analysis uh, through the scriptures and stuff that I realized, and I go back and say, well, you know, really what I was struggling with, I took a good desire of being respected and made a demand in my life, and, and as a result, I started judging those that were involved with the situation, and then I started uh, uh, going to the place where uh, I was punishing. I would never tell you, that, and I would never conclude at that time that I was punishing anyone. I would say I was defending myself, okay? But the reality is, I was not trusting God to take care of the situation. And I was, uh, I was in a sense, frustrated with God that he would allow something like this to happen. 
We're going to look at four, four letters that you have in your notes. They're called READ. And before we do that, we need to make sure that we are aware. Okay, so we're going to do a little test. So you've got to pay attention uh, to this next video because it is a awareness test. Is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. Anybody get that? But yeah, did you see the moonwalking bear? No! It is true. It is easy to miss something that you're not looking for. And here's what I found in years of living with myself and my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and working with people through our counseling and, and uh, conciliation ministries and such that we have a tendency sometimes to be focused on the wrong thing. Uh, and some of the things we'll look at under this read principle are things that we have trained ourselves well to do for others, to do in the lives of others. And when Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the log in your own eye? Jesus is encouraging us to look at something we weren't normally paying attention to, something that goes on in our life to help us realize or as we think about what spins us out to the outer circle, I mentioned the, 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 the world and I mentioned the devil, but some of you probably were saying, hey, he didn't say anything about the flesh, okay? Because this is where I wanted to enter this. Because it's our desires that get out of control that tend to need for us to read them. Similar to those who might be uh, uh, boaters that like to boat and uh, read the wind, uh, we have that responsibility to, to read what's going on in our life. First of all, is to recognize. To recognize what's going on. This is what I see in other people that are frustrated in a conflict with someone else, is they tend to see something that goes on in that person that they recognize from before. And they'll say, okay, I know what's coming next, all right? Uh, because I've got this uh, I've got this experience with them. When they go to this dot, I know what the next dot is, all right? Because we, we have that tendency to be able to do that, and we tend to protect or prepare for that. But one of the things that we may not do is take the time to look at our own hearts and look for our own tells, those things that will go on in our heart. Is there, is there an element of frustration that we feel? Uh, is, there, is there a desire to want to escape? Is there a desire to want to go talk with other than the person that I'm frustrated with? And as we start evaluating that, we can see some things that are tendencies that we might have to let us know that a desire might be moving into a demand. We find ourselves being 
frustrated, whatever that might be. And we've got some questions uh, at the end of, of our time together that are actually reproduced in your notes. To help you be able to do that, to, to uh, recognize, and then second of all, evaluate. And, and quite frankly, uh, we can use all different sources to try to evaluate our situation, evaluate what's going on in our minds, evaluate what we think is going on in the other person's life, but really God has given us his scriptures to be that which we use to evaluate what we are seeing. Going back to James again, James says, you know, don't be like that person who looks in the mirror and walks away forgetting what manner of person that he or she might be. Folks, we do that on a regular basis. We have the scriptures that I believe function very well as a mirror to let us see who we are, and yet we, we fail to make the changes or to repent of the areas we need to repent of so that we can be more like Christ in that particular situation. And so as we evaluate, we're not evaluating ourselves by comparing ourselves with other people. We're comparing ourselves with what God has called us to be, children who walk worthy of the vocation that God has called us. And when we do that, we'll be more apt to respond in more of a a biblical fashion because it's so easy to decide, I'm doing better at this than so-and-so, or I've done my part, if only they would do their part. And we get to the point where we start justifying our disobedience because it isn't nearly as bad as somebody else's disobedience. But we are called in our relationship to God to look at his word with the intent of us uh, evaluating. And then thirdly is to anticipate where is this going to go? I could go back to those early years, some 30 years ago, when I would have been leading one of the youth activities and uh, sure enough, uh, the, one of the two or probably both of the teens that were supposed to show up at the time they were supposed to show up, they wouldn't show up and they're holding up a whole busload of other teenagers. And, uh, you know, and, and I am thinking about this all along. I said, I know they're going to do it. I know they're going to do it. I know they're going to do it. Uh, and I should have anticipated where my heart was going to go in that, in that scenario. But instead of anticipating uh, the proper way, I would tend to go down the route of feeling sorry for myself, thinking, well, this isn't fair, how do I fix this, and all that, as opposed to looking at, how am I going to respond through that? And then finally, uh, looking at uh, the reality of where it might go, to decide, as we're accustomed to the put off and put on, how am I going to direct this, using the scriptures to be able to respond biblically in this situation? We have a, a ministry or that we put together several years ago that we call Hope in Conflict. We chose that name because not always can we fix conflict. Not always can we ensure that other people stop misbehaving or creating conflict. But no matter what we're going through, the Bible says that we can do all to the glory of God. It may not play out how we want it to play out. It may not be the easiest thing or the most peaceful thing we've experienced, but we have the freedom to be obedient to God despite the level of obedience of the people around us. When those two spies, remember the song, you know, ten were bad and two were good? When those two spies, 
Joshua and Caleb came back and gave the report, we can take the land. All the others were against them, and they were really willing to stone them for that. Even though that conflict led to 40 years of wandering around the desert, there were people that were able to do the right thing and to receive the well-done, good and faithful servant. And so, as we read our situation, we have the capacity to direct it in such a way that even though it may not fix everything we want to fix, it gives us that assurance that we've been obedient to God and that we have aligned ourselves under him and that we've allowed God to work through us so that he could receive glory. I've reserved one more clip for us. Uh, it's, uh, it's designed to help us think through, not from a Christian perspective, but just from the perspective of sometimes we have a bad day. Sometimes it seems like things have just not turned out the way that we want them to turn out. We as believers have some options with Jesus Christ. And I want you to be thinking about that when you consider what happens in this little vignette that you think about that passage that says, there's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond you, you are able, but will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear up underneath it. I want you to be thinking about that from a biblical perspective as you watch this uh, uh, little, little skit here. Mr. Garth. sitting out there for the last half hour trying to come up with a story that would explain my being here dressed like this. And, and I wanted to come up with a story that would demonstrate qualities that I'm sure you all admire here, like, like earnestness or diligence or team playing to something. And I couldn't think of anything. So the truth is, I was arrested for failure to pay parking tickets. Parking tickets? <laughs> and I ran all the way here from the, the Polk station, the police station. What were you doing before you were arrested? I was uh, painting my apartment. Is it dry now? <laughs> I hope so. Jay says you're pretty determined. Oh, he's been waiting outside the front of the building with some 40-pound gizmo for over a month. He said you're smart. I like to think so. And you want to learn this business? Yes, sir, I want to learn this business. Have you already started learning on your own? Absolutely. Jay. Yes, sir. How many times have you seen Chris? You know, I don't know. One too many, apparently. 
Is he ever dressed like this? No. No. Jacket and tie. First in your class in school? High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, Twelve. It was a small town. I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in, in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? Um, I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what? I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris, what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And I hired him. What would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but as I, as I thought through what Chris was going through, there's many places where I could have gotten hijacked emotionally in that situation. There's many things I could have started blaming and could have just decided to give up and walk out. I could see many people sitting in the waiting room, observing all the activity and deciding, I can't go forward with this. Uh, Chris just uh, illustrates that even in our flesh, we could do something like this, but how much more? If we've got the Spirit of God working within us, and we have the capacity to take the Word of God to help us overcome those obstacles that we want to try to escape or we try to, to figure out that we've only lost, get to the point where we're blaming this situation or that, if only the police hadn't arrested me at this time, if only this, if only, 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 and to realize that God is sovereign and God is able to, to work through us and give us an opportunity to bring glory to him regardless of what our situation is if we're willing to walk as a child of God. Chris Gardner just wanted a job, and he wanted it so badly that he was able to overcome a lot of different obstacles, and as a result, ended up with the job, not because he was the first in his class of 12 or the first in the class of 20 or he had nice pants on, but because people were attracted to the fact that he wasn't overwhelmed with the circumstances around him. If we want to be genuine believers that are able to have an impact in other people, we need to live as if we have a God that helps us work through the trials and the conflicts and the difficulties so that people will be able to tell, and we don't have to tell them, that we have counted it joy when we fell in to various trials and, to, and difficulties in our life. And as, you, as we close out our time, I just want to encourage you to take the list that's on your, on your, uh, in your notes and look at your own life as you start reading yourself and see what, as you answer those questions, not for somebody else, okay? Don't ask them of somebody else, but ask them of yourself so that you can do the thing critical in your own heart so that you can know that your heart desires haven't gone to a demand where you end up judging and you end up punishing. Father, we thank you for the, the privilege that you have given to us to be able to share your word today. We thank you for the graciousness and the great attention that uh, folks have provided and the interaction. And God, I ask that uh, you will help us all as, as we think through our lives in relationship with others. 
Uh, sometimes we do get hijacked. Sometimes we do get to the point where we forget how faithful you are, God, and we try to fix things on our own. And as a result, we don't ask of you. We don't get your help as our Father. And uh, we tend to then resent people who get in our way rather than depend upon you. And Lord, I pray that you would have your blessing upon us as we uh, desire to walk worthy of your uh, vocation you've called us as your children of God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.